Staying true to America's national destiny, the voice of the awakening. Your host, Bishop E.W. Jackson. And I remembered I had, well, actually, I take that back. I, I realized I didn't have any cash on me. So I walked up, spoke to him and said hello and everything. And then when I was going out uh, of the checking out of the supermarket, they said, you know, cash back, which I'd never get. But I said, oh, yeah, give me some cash. So I got some cash because I wanted to be a blessing to them. Amen. I wanted to be a blessing to them. So, so, so your, your, your attitude now that you, you are in the light is different, isn't it? It says walk as children of light. Now that word walk, peripateo means be occupied with your status as a child of light. The world's trying to get us to be occupied with our status based upon skin color or based upon gender. And you know, you got Christians running around buying into this stuff. But, but the word of God says, when it says walk as children of light, it means be preoccupied with your status and your identity as a child of light, a child of God, a disciple of Jesus Christ. That's your identity. That's who you are. Because who you are is the light on the inside, not the color on the outside. Glory to God. Now that passage then goes on to tell us what it means to then walk in this light. It says, Ephesians 5, 9 says, For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Wow, goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out, or that word means they're proving what is acceptable to the Lord. In other words, the fruit of goodness and righteousness and truth will prove itself. It will prove itself. And then the 11th verse says, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. And that word expose means rather reprove them, rebuke them, chastise them, show them to be wrong, and call them to account. So now let's, let's get into where the rubber meets the road, saints, for 2022. Um, the 12th verse says, for it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. In other words, have no fellowship with them, expose them, for it's shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. Now that, I, I think that that is not the clearest uh, translation of that verse, because the verse is not saying it's shameful to speak of it, because if you, get, if you don't speak of it, how do you expose it? What it's saying is, it's shameful even to speak in secret about these things rather than expose them publicly. Oh yeah, I know, I know what they're doing, but you know, I, just, I stay away from that. God says, that's shameful, see? That's why verse 13 goes on to say, but all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light for whatever makes manifest is light. In other words, because you're light, you're going to expose darkness. You're going to expose what's wrong. You're going to expose what's evil. I mean, I still, well, I, I guess I shouldn't say I don't understand because I'm going to get into a little bit of my understanding. I don't fully understand Christians who somehow think we should not comment on the issues of the day. Because if there is evil, what this is saying is, and you are not exposing that evil, you are sinning against God. You are sinning against God. 
I don't want to get involved. I don't want somebody might be offended. So what? You rather offend God than offend people? Says therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. That light, that light exposes what is evil, exposes what is wrong. That says, see that you walk circumspectly, not as fools. In other words, that word circumspectly, see that you walk in such a way that demonstrates that you're walking with almighty God. That you see clearly what is going on around you and you stand apart from it. Amen. Then it says redeeming the time because the days are evil. So redeeming the time then is about standing as light in contrast to a dark world. In other words, you, based on this passage, you can't separate the two. You can't say, well, I'm redeemed. You know, like, like I hear some, some pastors used to tell me when, when first time I got confronted with this whole concept of gay rights. And sometime I'm going to teach extensively on this because, folks, this stuff comes out of a godless Marxist worldview. Um, you know, one of Marx's favorite saying was ruthlessly criticize everything. And the main three things he wanted to criticize were God, what he called religion. He meant Christianity because that was all that he really knew. The opium of the masses, the family, which he considered a slave institution that needed to be completely and utterly destroyed and government that purported to be free based on free enterprise and individual liberty because he considered that to be a slave system too. I say he wanted to create the kingdom of God without God, the kingdom of Marx. And to not comment on that. But you know, I had preachers when we were trying to fight the gay rights bill in Massachusetts would say to me, I'm too busy pastoring my people. Now, the society has basically since then, that's 40 years ago, gone to hell in a handbasket, and I guess they're still pastoring their people. I, you're not exposing the darkness, and you think somehow you're doing the will of God? Redeeming the time is about standing in light in contrast to the darkness of this age, amen? By, by, here's number one. By manifesting goodness, righteousness, truth, and what is acceptable to the Lord. Is that acceptable to the Lord? No. How can you not say anything? How can you not expose that? You all realize we've got churches all over this country now that are telling us that there's nothing wrong with homosexuality. Nothing wrong with it whatsoever. And by the way, I've, this, this book I've been reading by Paul Kanger called um, Call Marx and the Devil points out that this whole exploration of pedophilia is something that Marxists have been doing for a long time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because here again, their argument is that that's just a lot of bourgeois nonsense that we need to throw off like we throw off everything else. In other words, ruthlessly criticize everything. And by the way, you know what Mar Karl Marx said? All criticism begins with criticism of Christianity. Because he believed that that's the underpinning of free societies. And you destroy that, and you can destroy all this notion, these notions, these, these bourgeois notions of freedom. How can we not expose this stuff? And you got preachers like this guy down in Texas who just won, uh, Texas, forgive me, Texas. Uh, this guy down in Georgia who just won a U.S. Senate seat telling, telling Christians that we need to learn from Karl Marx, that Karl Marx could teach the church how to be more effective. Karl Marx hated the church. He hated Christianity. 
I mean, he never missed an opportunity to, to lambast it, to slander it, to accuse it. He said it's the opium of the masses. You know what that meant? That meant was everybody knew what opium was because opium was at one point legal and opium produced a dreamlike state. And, and, and basically made you just com, com, kind of listless. And he thought religion makes people kind of accepting of, of, you know, the injustice of the system. And it put, put people into a fantasy dream-like state. And we're not, we're not willing to expose that darkness, which now, frankly, has infected American culture. As you know, now they're teaching in colleges what they call sexual Marxism, cultural Marxism, um, feminist Marxism, say, and ra critical race theory is nothing but Marxism in a racial context. All of this stuff grows out of Karl Marx. Karl Marx has been the single most evil force uh, in the modern world. You know, I've said, people don't know this, but they said, well, wait a minute, Bishop, shouldn't you talk about fascism? Fascism grew out of Marxism. Hitler was a Marxist before he was a quote-unquote fascist. Mussolini was a communist before he became the dictator of Italy. The only thing that they did was they took Marxism and added a hyper-nationalism to it that was racial in nature. But the whole idea of collectivism and, and, uh, and, and communism was not lost. It was just given a new patina. It's like Karl Marx's career started out as a leader of the, of the German Workers' Party, which was a communist organization. Karl Marx has been the single, I, I would put one other person close to him and their influence, their evil influence, and that is Charles Darwin. Which, by the way, Karl Marx loved him. Karl Marx just thought Charles Darwin, because Karl Marx then tried to borrow Darwin and say, oh, so societies are evolving too, and their ultimate evolution is to communism. Those two, because Karl Marx basically convinced everybody we're just glorified animals. And, and justified somebody, that is Charles Darwin did, and then justified Karl Marx's ideas that we don't, we, don't owe any, any, we don't owe anything to any God. There's no God. When I read about some of the, the, the torturing that communist regimes had done to people trying to get them right, because create utopia, you know, you have to kill a few people. A um, hundred million uh, or thereabouts. Some, some people put the estimate as close to 150 million people murdered under communism. But, but you know, because I think it was Mao Zedong who said, if you want to make an omelet, you got to break a few eggs. And yet people ignore that history and, and, and act like somehow, as always, we will do it the right way. Just give us a chance at it. But anytime you try to build a society without God, you are heading to hell. Amen? Amen. Now look, let me, let me get to, to my, my, my ultimate point here. Most Christians don't object or raise questions, at least, about being good, righteous, true, 
and showing what is acceptable to God. Most Christians would, you know, they would not, they would not dispute you on that. They wouldn't raise any objections to that. But see, we forget that there is a positive and a negative side to our responsibility in this earth while we're here. The positive side is yes, to be good, to be righteous, to be true, to show what is acceptable to the Lord. But the negative side is to turn that, tear down that which is not. And see, that's, that negative part is what a lot of people don't want to touch. Because that might offend somebody. That might upset someone. Oh, I don't <laughs> No, thank you. Jesus came not only to build his kingdom, but to destroy the devil's kingdom. Right? I mean, that's, that was his job. His job was to build his own and destroy the devil's. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, it says, For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Most Christians don't have a problem with, yes, let's build up the kingdom of God. But you start talking about destroying the works of the devil. You know, like you, you all heard that old story about the guy lying on his deathbed, and a priest comes in and says, No, Thomas, do you, do you renounce the devil in all his works? He thinks there for a minute, he said, Father, I feel like I'm in no position to antagonize anybody. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't want to upset people. I don't want to upset the devil. It's the negative part that creates the controversy. Jesus said his name would be a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense because what was he saying? I'm the only way. I'm the only way. Now look, God told Jeremiah in 110, he said, see, I've set you this day over the nations and over the kingdoms. Okay, Lord, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. To root out, to pull down, to destroy, and to throw down. Now, wait a minute, Lord. Do we really need to go negative like that? Can't we just tiptoe to the tulips? <laughs> And then after that, he said, to build and to plant. See, because you can't build and plant without tearing down stuff that's in the way. And we know what happened to Jeremiah, persecuted, imprisoned, uh, lied on, slandered, called a traitor. I mean, you know, you name it, everything imaginable. Like I read some of the things people say about me now. He's a, you're a traitor to your race. Well, first of all, my race is Christianity. Hallelujah. And I'm, I'm, I'm committed to being loyal to that. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And my love for people has no color boundaries. Praise God. In the same way that Jesus does it. And that's who I'm emulating. That's who I'm trying to be like. Amen. I, I know I'll get myself in trouble with this one, but with some people. But, but that's why, please don't come to me no Kwanzaa. Ron Moringa. Just as demon-possessed as he can be. I mean, man, demon-possessed up to the eyeballs. And, and he's creating some black holiday. And by the way, initially, he backed off of this because he realized a lot of Christians didn't like hearing that. But initially, he said, it's to get these black folks away from the white man's celebration of Christmas and that white religion. He denounced Christianity. And I'm supposed, to, I'm supposed to embrace that because that's the black man, please. The devil. 
So, so you know, you can't, you can't build stuff up without tearing stuff down. Amen? Because the, the stuff that Satan has constructed is often in your way, and you've got to go after it. You think we're going to win these kids back who believe that socialism is somehow good without making clear that this is a godless ideology that has murdered people throughout human history? You can't just, well, let, let's, you know, they're idealistic. Let's not burst their bubble. You better burst it. Because these are the leaders of tomorrow. You see what we got now. Amen. You got a socialist controlling one party, basically, and being able to kind of dictate the, the, the and, and here again, dictate the agenda. And anybody who admires the Soviet Union and Cuba uh, who tells me you're a Christian, say, you better check your credentials. Because Castro murdered priests and ministers and put them in prison. And you have one church every time he come to town, he go speak up at that Abyssinian Baptist Church in, in, in New York. Put, he couldn't get within 10 miles of my pulpit. The only thing he gets is an altar to repent. And I, it, unless he did repent, he's in hell right now. Amen. I'm not going to have anybody following him. Glory to God. And going to visit the Soviet Union, coming about bragging how nice the Soviet Union is. And the Soviet Union was doing things to people that were unspeakable. Oh, and by the way, and you know what they would tell Christians that they persecuted? They would often say, and don't think that there's any God for us to answer to. We don't have to answer to anybody because there is no God. So what we do to you, you just deal with it. You're going to tell me I went to the Soviet Union, came back, oh, what a wonderful system it is. I'll keep America, thank you very much. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. So Jeremiah said, The word of the Lord was made to me a reproach and a derision daily. Then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name, but his word was in my heart like a burning fire. Shut up in my bones. See that light? That light was burning on the inside of him. Amen. It was a, a, the light of, an, of a sovereign anointing by almighty God, but it was burning in him and he could not help but speak. Every Christian ought to have that same inner compulsion. Paul said it this way. Woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. Amen. You, you, there ought to be something on the inside of you. I mean, we got loved ones. We got friends. We got people wandering around in the darkness and we got the light and we won't turn the bulb on. Because somebody, somebody might say, why you turn that on? My, that hurt my eyes. Your eyes need to be hurt. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. There, there is a dynamism on the inside of you that I want you to be in touch with and to, to allow it to work in you. You know, the Bible says what? He's able to do the exceedingly abundant above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. It's in you. But you know, you can, I think that's what Jesus was talking about when he said, if the salt loses its savor, if the light is hidden under a lampstand, neither one of them is any good. And I think people want to, want to diminish their saltiness and hold something over the light so that it doesn't affect or hurt or upset anybody. Afraid, you know, pastors, afraid of the government. Afraid of the IRS, 
afraid that their members might not give. Somebody might get offended. I told Pastor one time, he said, I can't talk about pro-life. He said, you know, I got, I got Democrats in my church who are pro-choice. I said, well, get them saved. Because they need to be saved. Don't tell me you're a Christian and you support the killing of unborn babies. Come on, what, what's wrong with you? Amen. Amen. Either you're just not saved or you're so brainwashed by this system that here again, or, or, or you're one of those cowardly people that I'm going to get to in a second here. But, but, but we're called to destroy the works of the devil. Amen? Amen. 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 Look, last year, um, churches... In certain jurisdictions, they told churches, close. Now I'm looking at myself, I'm thinking to myself, I've read the Constitution. You don't have a right to tell me to close my church. There's no constitutional authority by the government at all to do that. I have a First Amendment right that God gave me that the Constitution simply secures. And by the way, every time it was adjudicated in court, churches won. But how many of them closed up? Because they told us to. Amen. Cowards! Amen. Come on, have some courage here, amen? amen. I mean, you imagine, what, I think it was California, they said, when they finally said you can gather nine people in a room, now you've got churches hold 5,000 people, you can put nine people in there. But then they said, but don't sing. I said, well, come on in. And just watch me go at it. I'm going to stop singing praises to God because some government official told me to. Glory to God. Glory to God. And you got people in, in, in China and in Vietnam and other places around the world who put their lives on the line to worship God. And so, so that nobody gets upset with us, we're going, oh, yeah, okay, whatever you all say, you know, we got to obey the law of the land. No, you don't. <laughs> Only if the law of the land does not conflict with the law of God. The law of God is higher than the law of the land. Amen. I mentioned this, this book by Paul Kanger. He says that the Communist Party intentionally set out to infiltrate both the Protestant and the Catholic Church. I don't know whether you all know this or not, but really communists run the World Council of Churches and the National Council of Churches, they're not churches anymore. That, 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 that whole thing, that whole thing is an abomination to God. Communists got in there and took over. And part of their target was seminaries. Uh, they, they, they infiltrated Union Theological Seminary in New York. They infiltrated a lot of the Catholic seminaries because they knew that most, the most efficient way to control the church was to get control of the ministers before they ever got to the churches. Here's what he said, quote, they went so far as to provide ministers with pro-communist material for sermons to deliver to congregations at their Sunday services. Can you imagine that? A communist giving me a sermon to come here and preach Y'all might have to come get me. And, and look, th this whole preaching about social justice, saints, it's pandering to the, to, to the left and it's blasphemy against God. There is no social justice. That's a euphemism for socialism. You know, there's, there's God's justice. And see, God's justice can't be separated from God's righteousness. 
So see, for them, social justice means, well, the, 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 the guys who claim to be girls have to be able to use the female restrooms and play on the female sports because that's social justice. That's an abomination to God, saints. See, so that, that's why social justice is wrong because it tries to create a system of justice apart from the righteousness of Almighty God. And I just read you, one of our responsibilities is righteousness and truth and proving what is acceptable to God. Now you see how you can't build up without tearing down. You can't say, well, I'm going to do that, but I don't want to criticize that. Well, you better. Because otherwise it'll run right rough shot over you. Look at look at this this guy, women all the uh, this guy, women all these uh, winning all these swim meets with women's teams. Guys fighting in MMA, doing severe damage to women in this mixed martial arts fighting because he's a guy. Amen. He's got an X chromosome, and I don't care how much you try to suppress his testosterone, he's a man. Amen. His name is Bruce Jenner, not Caitlin. Please. Can't separate social justice. I mean, social justice is a concept. There's, there's, there's justice, and justice comes from Almighty God, and you can't separate the two. Look, the, the Bible says, I think in the book of Amos, it says, let justice run down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. See how the two go together? Justice runs down and righteousness runs down, and they run together. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So the church is supposed to be destroying the works of the devil, not excusing them or turning away from them or keeping silent about it. So Christians do have to seek the grace and wisdom to show goodness and righteousness and truth and what is acceptable to God. But we also have to have the courage to have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. I told you, I think, you know, I used to be on, on Fox News, I think, my, my goodness, two or three times a week for there for a couple years. And, and um, when... I'm told this is the result of the sun's taking over. I don't know that for sure, but something happened. And now they got a lot of homosexual spokespersons. Now, a lot of these people are conservative. And on substance, I don't dis necessarily disagree with them on their issues. But I don't care whether you are a conservative homosexual or you are a liberal homosexual. You're wrong. It's wrong. I don't hate them. I don't hate it. I don't care whether conservative or liberal. I don't hate any of them. But once the society decides... It's going to elevate that to some sort of exalted status. People like me who are interested in tearing it down become persona non grata. Are you all hearing me? But, but it's not going to change my approach. You, you will never hear me say, you know, I'm going to start talk, stop talking about that because maybe I'll get more TV opportunities. I don't care. God opens doors and no one can close them. Amen. Keep messing around and God will help me, let me build my own television network. Andrew Womack's got a television network. Kenneth Copeland's got a television. I'll get on television and I'll reach people because God will open those doors. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And you know, the sad thing is there are Christians who are making money at that network and they've never spoke up. See, they could have, they could have put the kibosh on that by, or it, I think they could have, if they gotten together and said, look, we're Christians. We don't believe that's right. And, you know, you can, you can run the station any way you want, but, but we have a problem with making us feel, and you can tell, too, because there was one woman on, she's no longer on with them. She ended up suing, got $20 million, because she had been sexually harassed by the head of the network, 
But they, I saw them ask her one time. After she had revealed, I'm a Christian, I go to church, I'm a Bible believer, and they asked her on the air one time, they said, so do you believe that homosexuality is sin? She hesitated. And I said, uh, no. And I thought, you just lied on God. <laughs>